Jonathan Jana to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Wizards of Drivel. I know what you may be thinking. That's not the usual welcoming voice of the podcast. Well, no. Unlike a Mark Hughes squad at Christmas, we here at Wizards do believe in squad rotation. <laughs> so for this week, I am your host, Chris Brammer. Now, we've got a little bit of a change from the usual lineup as David Cowlishaw has picked up an injury and is away from the team. So we've assessed, uh, we've accessed the emergency loan department to pick up ourselves a solid player who can fill in for the time being. We present vlogger for the Barefoot TV, Mr. Tom Thrower. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. I'm good. You guys? Not bad at all. Thank you. Not bad at all. And of course, no Wizards podcast would be complete without Mr. Stats himself, the bad luck behind every failed transfer attempt. Mr. Jason Martin, how are you? Ready to ruin more things. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, to be honest, gents, it's been a little while since the last podcast and quite a lot of stuff has happened. We've played many friendlies, we've made signings, and we've extended contracts. Um, I'd like us to start then at the new faces who we've brought in. The Ramadan Sobi saga finally came to an end uh, with him signing a four-year deal with the club and bringing with him the entire Egyptian fan base onto every single Stoke City Facebook page out there. He signed on the same day as Joe Allen, proving uh, without a doubt that we're boosting our midfield. I know we spoke about those two a lot on the last podcast, but now we have them in a Stoke shirt and we've seen them play in a few friendlies or so. Guys, what do we make of them? Are we are we excited about them as players? Definitely. I, I think they're both things we needed to improve on. I mean, nice to see Alan, another person on the ball in the midfield. And then with Sobu, we've got a winger who actually will add something to the game rather than just coming on because Arnie or Shakiri's tired or injured. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Um I think I, I was sort of bored of the Sobby saga by the time it actually ended and he signed. <laughs> it was I think I clocked it at about three months, almost to the day, since the original reported bid went in for him actually to sign. <laughs> but yeah, it's good to see him in. I didn't I didn't catch his debut, so I've managed to watch a beautifully made YouTube montage of every touch of the ball, <laughs> which is on our Twitter if you want to have a look. And yeah, he just looks like an ordinary player in that game which isn't bad considering he's only been there five minutes and spent the last three weeks on multiple planes i was i was gonna say with with the 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 reputation that preceded him what with all of cairo um jumping on stoke loud and proud and anytime he was mentioned saying that he's the next um dennis bird camp or something like that um I think there was kind of an expectation that his debut you know he was going to come on and um, tear hamburg to shreds and score a hat-trick and stuff. Is it, it's fair to say that, I think from the reviews anyway, he, it was kind of a, just a, a mild debut, to say the least. Would you agree? Yeah. I think what they don't realise is that we're Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> and that it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as I, as I said, I missed the game, so if you two want to sort of fill me in on it, that'd be great. <laughs> well, the, the lad was confident. Give him that. He, he sort of, he never looked afraid on the ball. I mean, if you compare him to, I don't know, Affalai at the start of last season, where he would get the ball and look as if the last thing he wanted in the world was to take another touch with it. <laughs> he tried to dribble a bit, but his dribbles, I can't imagine he had a great success rate on them. He lost the ball quite a lot. Yeah, he certainly, from from what I saw, I my stream was, um, was playing up, to be honest with you. So I, I lost patience with it a number of times but from what what I saw he seemed to be I mean he, he was anonymous in a little bit in the game but he, he seemed a confident player I, I don't think it once he gets to know his team the language and playing at a bit more of an intensity than, than you would get in the Egyptian league um, I imagine he will he will be a good player for us I think do you know what if he had to come on and <laughs> someone uh, Hamburg to shreds the expectation from from our lot would have been ridiculous, and it would have probably set the kid up to fail. So I'm kind of g- glad that he had a nondescript debut, let's say. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think Arnie or Bojan are quaking quite as much as the Egyptian fans <laughs> thought they would be. 
<laughs> saying that he's going to take their positions and come <laughs> yeah. out of the team. <laughs> so, what about um, Joe Allen then? How did you think he did? I, I genuinely can't remember him coming on. Um, it was... <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. Again, like, I mean, the match itself, the first... I, I, we were going to go and talk on about um, the friendlies in a bit, but the match itself, the first half an hour, I thought Stoke, Stoke played really, really well. But we did, we did, we lost a lot of impetus. I mean, obviously, <laughs> for those who don't know, we lost the match, which is not the best result in the world, is it, really? But um, no, Joe Allen, he, again, he was solid. I can't remember him doing too much wrong. No, yeah, and I, I, I think it was... Because he came on into a weird formation, didn't he? Sparky brought yeah. off the, the two wingers at a point and we just sort of ended up with four centre midfielders playing <laughs> sort of in the right position. He, Charlie Adam was playing left wing at one point, was he not? Uh, it's sort of a, an odd left wing, yeah. I think he was more just a mobile crossing unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, looking outside of the, the friendly stand, what... If we go back to Sobic, what do we think the game plan is for him then? Do we? I'm I'm of the mindset now where he's. I don't think he's going to be. He's not going to be a youth player, that's for sure. He is going to be in and around the first team. I don't see him being the first name on the team sheet against Middlesbrough, but then I do see him being in and around the matchday squad and actually challenging like Shakiri and Arnie for those wide positions. What about you, you guys? Yeah, I think yeah, you pretty much nailed it there. To be honest, I think you will get game time this season as a, a first teamer um it just gives us an actual sort of tailor-made option to come off the bench now for when legs are tiring for example um we did sort of notice it a lot when Arnie or Shakiri were out of the game they were really out of the game and yeah. we were we ended up sort of carrying them for, for elements of it and that's why while we did have some players like Walters and Juve to come on the bench it wasn't the same and it did have a significant impact to the points where substitutions were effectively killing the game for us so to actually have a good option like that will help us and so Shakiri's had some injury doubts over the last season as well he wasn't always 100% fit every week so in those instances I presume Sobby would start so I think you'll probably get a good 10-15 maybe even 20 games under his belt this season yeah, I agree with that. It definitely seems like he's second choice winger on both wings. I can't think that Sparky would be playing Jufo Walters ahead of him, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, come on, we, we've we've said things like this before, and then Marquis proves us wrong on on so many occasions. Yeah, I think that was more of a, a hope because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can watch John Walters play on the wing again and just not have any impact on the game. Sort of, it makes us miss Shakiri even more. <laughs> Well, what I suppose then what about Joe Allen? Because, I mean, we've said it on this podcast before and there's been a lot of talk over whether Joe Allen is a direct replacement for Glenn Whelan. Do you see, when we play Middlesbrough next weekend, do you see Joe Allen replacing Glenn Whelan in the starting line? No, that concerns me. <laughs> I don't, he's not a like-for-like, like, which creates a problem. I think we've said before that the, if they want to play Allen and Mbula in a midfield, midfield pairing, it's going to be heavily reliant on Mbula learning the defensive side of the game. From what I've read yesterday, people are still sort of walking through him defensively, which is a bit of a problem. Now, that would give the impression that we might be sort of light defensively if Allen came in for Whelan. And I think that maybe barring right back yesterday where Cameron was in for Johnson and up front if we get a striker in before next week. I think that's probably our starting eleven for next week. Oh yeah, no, no, switch, sorry, I'm sorry. But I think that he's there or thereabouts with the eleven now. I don't know when he's going to phase Allen in, whether it's going to be in a three-man midfield, because that's how I think that he's going to be going now, maybe as Bojan a false nine or Bojan on the bench. But I do think that a three-man midfield would be more suited for Allen. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that there's clearly, if you look at the team now and the fact that we don't have this new signing striker, and I'm still not convinced about Juif, um, it looks like a, the, the three in the midfield with Whelan just playing that deeper sitting role and allowing Imbula and Allen to get forward. It seems like the best way forward for us. Yeah. Well, think we'll yeah, fa- yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we, we have made a third signing. Not that um, 
not that Stoke would really want to tell, make a song and dance about it. But um, we've, we've signed now former AFC Wimbledon defender Ryan Sweeney, who I honestly couldn't really tell you too much about. I haven't really followed AFC Wimbledon. Can you tell us anything about Ryan Sweeney? Anyone? I can. No. So, yeah, Ryan Sweeney, 19-year-old centre-half, 6'4", Man Mountain, an old school, <laughs> def- an old school of defender, apparently, whatever that means. <laughs> um, probably do just doesn't wear gloves yeah but he's ha- he's made 13 appearances first team appearances at, at AFC Wimbledon 10 of those came last season 3 of them came the season before when he was he must have been 17 or 18 which isn't bad going um, his appearances last season came in a 6 week spell between Feb and March it could have been for injuries or anything it could have been for whatever reason but by April he was back out of the team again, and he came in on the final day. So I wouldn't say he's the first, their first choice or main man at the back, and they even stated a lot that he was impressive in their under-21s and in Republic of Ireland's under-18s. So I I would imagine he's for our under-23s. I mean, what we do with him in terms of development, I have no idea, to be honest. Are we going <laughs> to just keep him in there for a season? Are we going to loan him back out? Uh, I have no idea. But one thing I do want to clarify, because I've seen it mentioned a few times now, these comparisons with Ryan Shawcross, sort of how old was Shawcross when he joined Stoke? 19. Oh, it could, you know, maybe he could be for the first team. No. Because (laughs) Shawcross arrived from Sir Alex's Manchester United to Championship Stoke, first team football. Sweeney is coming from League 2, AFC AFC Wimbledon. Did they just League get, one they now. just got promoted. League yeah, one now, excellent. Cool. So League One to top nine Stoke. I think the comparisons <laughs> are very wide of the mark. However, I did really enjoy people going, Well done, lad, England next when he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's typical Stoke fans not paying attention to the details. That's oh dear me. Um yeah, so it, you're of the opinion then that he's going to be one of those players who's possibly phased into the team over the next few years and he's going to go into that under-23s, playing in the EFL trophy or whatever they're calling it. Um, yeah, that's that's what you're thinking, Jace? Yeah, I think so. I think for 250000 which is a transfer fee, I think it's a risk worth taking. If it, if it ends up working out and he's a first-team in a few years, then great. If he isn't, then... It's sort of minimal damage. It's 150 less than we played. We paid for to share her anyway. To put it in perspective. <laughs> so, well, he can't. He can't live up to those. That name though, can he? No one can. No. 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 <laughs> the tie of the shirt. I mean, uh, there was. There's been a really, um, a really good article that on on the website that was it. I believe it was Sam who wrote it. The the homegrown piece, Jason. Yes, it was. Which which I, I hadn't put this to put this together. Um, but obviously Stokes homegrown players are getting increasingly old and obviously in the Premier League um, since was it 2010 I don't know there's been the, the the homegrown rule where you have to have certain allocation of players who've been homegrown in in England we're getting linked with a lot more British players your, your Berahinos uh, Ryan Sweeney obviously has made the the link Charlie Taylor at Leeds was mentioned a few weeks back. Do you guys see us now moving away from the the cheap market of Europe and really chasing the British players? Mm, I don't know if we're moving away from it. I, I think it's just because if you look at the the homegrown players that we've got at the minute, a lot of them are um, really on the fringe, and sort of you could put out three or four names who you put at the top of your list to leave this transfer window, sort of people like Mr. Twitter, Mark Wilson, um, <laughs> Walters or Crouch or even Charlie Adam. And I, I think sort of it, it's almost a rotation policy with these younger ones. Um, of We're just worried of breaching that homegrown rule. Yeah, I think my my concern or my question, I guess, is if this, this under-21 ruling is moving the, I guess, our backup team to the age of 23 now does that mean those players get another two years of not being counted as homegrown players or will that be factored in now i'm thinking like dan back for example would be considered a homegrown 
player, and that probably could have been an easy position for us as a third choice keeper. But if he's hanging around the under-23s for a bit longer, does that mean he doesn't count, or do we name him? I, I, yeah, I understand because from my vast knowledge of the homegrown rule <laughs> via some serious football manager playing, <laughs> it's three years of training between 15 and 21 at an yeah. English club. But does that under under 21 rule about not having to be registered then be pushed up to under 23 now? It's a good question, Jace. Yeah, it's going to be a, some. It's going to cause some problems, I think. But yeah, to back to the homegrown stuff, I think that it will be a mix. Of signings I guess it'll probably be on a, a player-by-player basis more than anything the fact that well Hughes wanted to really push up the British contingent, contingent according to John Percy so that's quite a reputable link um he seemed to be really keen on a centre-half that's Brit- British I don't think Sweeney is going to be the one to partner Shawcross so there's probably still going to be another I guess go for it whether it's Michael Keane or someone else yeah so, I know I I, I know this isn't on the show notes, and I know that this extends the transfer chat a lot more. But does it does it matter to you guys about having homegrown players, about having British players in the team? Does it does it matter to you? No, not all. Not one bit. <laughs> to, I mean, well, fair enough. That kind of summed up that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Is like, can, do you understand why people might want homegrown players? Yeah. Like, British, British players in, in the team. But, but I, I'm not that... I wouldn't mind, but going out and spending sort of 15, 20 million on Michael Keane, um, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't quite add up to me. And if there is one that yeah. you sort of, as a fan, want to get behind, it's, it is a player coming up through the through the youth system. But just signing another person who's done that at another club, just to meet a rule, that doesn't really fill me <laughs> with passion and make me start yeah. wanting to sing in Jerusalem. <laughs> I think well, well, I think yeah on. the people people have a closer affinity with like the English players because it's sort of it could have been them in a sense like that keeps that dream alive that someone be it from the same country or even from the same the local area can work their way up and make it to the local club it it does give them that extra pride like you you saw the happiness when Shenton made his debut, albeit for sort of 30 seconds against Man City. And, yeah, you can't really... It's not a guarantee, though, is it? Because, I mean, I think Bojan is probably loved in our parts more than Ryan Schotten. (laughs) You know, it's not not a, oh, they're English, therefore we we love them without without question. I do think, like, I mean, the Spaniards especially have really made a a fan favourite impact on on the club I think anyway yeah I think it is down to the it's just down to the individuals at the end of the day really not sort of where where they come from or anything I think if they're the nice players or if they're good players <laughs> good people then you're more likely oh. sort of like them I, th- I guess one of the biggest fans favourite of the recent years was German um, <laughs> who's that is not Walshide yeah yeah well I mean you, you've almost led us on to the, the next bit there Jason flawlessly because speaking of personalities and the player who certainly divides our fan base is uh, Marco Anoutovic now Marco has put uh, to rest all the speculation for months and months and has signed a new four-year deal with the club do we think that this is the end of all the transfer speculation? Is Arnie now with us for good? And is he lazy? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it won't be the end of transfer speculation because the, the the papers seem to just have a nice formula and put X name in and Y club, and that's the transfer story. <laughs> um, but he's pushing on now, isn't he? 27 or 28 um uh, it's not the age where clubs go out and spend upwards of sort of 50 million because you can only assume with the release clause being 12.5 in his former contract that it's gone up significantly. He's sort of getting too old for that kind of money to be spent on him. So uh, yeah, I can't really see him moving on. And with that, I have guaranteed his move to PSG in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was... I was really happy that he joined, he signed. It's funnily enough, like despite all the fanfare, it's pretty much played out exactly how he said it would. He said, "I'll have yeah. a Euros, then I'll sit down and decide." And it's exactly what he did. And everyone was just busy losing <laughs> their minds in between. <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's look, he was our best player last season. Butler came close, but I think Arnautovic was our match winner. And I think he's going to have another big season ahead of him now. He'll be helping the next generation, like Sobby and everything, everyone else coming through. And he'll just be a really valuable asset. And if he does go, then we're not going to get sort of, I guess, in this market, sort of pittance for him for 12 million. Like He should have gone. I can't believe no one like stumped up 12 million for him <laughs> in this window, given the fees. But if they want to sort of live off the bad boy tags of like five, six years ago, yeah. and more power to them, we'll keep our player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. I was, I was exceedingly happy that he signed um, a new contract with us. He, for for all the people who complain and moan about him and say, oh, he's he's lazy, he's arrogant. I I, I just I just don't see it. I he's he worked extremely hard and he was our top goal scorer last year from the wing. You know, it has to be said he he's a crucial part of our team. And I think if he'd have gone, we would have had a really difficult season uh, ahead of us. I, let's let's move on because we've talked about new faces and transfers for a while now. We've played quite a few friendlies since the last podcast. We played Orlando City, Orlando City B, uh, Hamburg, and a youth contingent featuring Johnny Walters and, as you say, Mr. Twitter himself, Mark Wilson, made their way to Rill yesterday. I don't want us to go too much into detail about each individual match, but what have we made of pre-season? Well, we're going to win the league. I mean, if you beating Orlando B five nil and Real six nil, I don't think there's, there's no better indicators is there for for guaranteed winning the league. I think Hughes Hughes manages to devise up a new nightmare every preseason. Just when everything starts settling down, he's like, "So this three five two stuff." And you're like, "Oh god, no, no, Hughes, the, the transfer window's going so well. Don't do this." And he's like, "What? I can't hear you." Ball shot at the back. Go on. So yeah. It, it, that horror. I'm gonna say it's not filled everyone with confidence, has it? This preseason. In fact, I, it, <laughs> we get the same preseason every year. At least we have for the last three years, where we, we finish we finish strong in ninth, and then somehow we go into the first game of the season and we're fearing relegation before anything else. It's, I suppose this is the, the the problem with the Mark Hughes team. It's famously they're supposed to get better towards the second half of the season with all the fitness work and all that type of stuff. Are we are we doing everything right in pre-season? Is pre-season... What should pre-season be used for, I suppose, is the question. Austrian hills. Yeah, running up and down <laughs> hills. They shouldn't see a football till the opening day, really. It's disgraceful that they've got them out already. No, I don't. It's... it's I don't know if it's worked the last few years. They've had a really good sort of few seasons where we finished ninth continually. I'd argue against that we finished strongly last season. I think we sort of saved our, yes. our bacon on the last day. But in terms of whether it the preseason shaping is good, I don't really know. Like for the first two years I lapped it up because I was like, look, this is great. We're going to get stronger in the season when everyone falls off. Fantastic. But then there comes a point where it's like, well, shouldn't we, can't we do both? Can't we be good at the start of the season and at the end of the season? So I think that I do worry it'll be a slow start and I'm fully expecting us not to win next week. And I think it might be a couple of games before we do get that first win. But I guess so long as we have a good run in between and the new players settle, because I think we've got a far more balanced squad now than ever before. So I do think that it could have the potential to be a really good season, but I don't think anything's going to change with regards to how this, the generic season will pan out, slow start, and then just make up for it whenever. <laughs> you, do you agree, right Tom? Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't think you can take too much from pre-season. I think my main thing that I've seen and been quite pleased with is sort of at the first hint of any niggly injury or anything like that. I mean, Arnautovic and both and Shawcross as well. It's sort of no, there's no way you're being involved in a match because if you look at the the preseason, the fitness problems we've had throughout the last few seasons, I think that the main thing that we should take from preseason is almost a little bit of recuperation and just sort of get everyone nice and rested and feeling physically fit and not playing through injuries and stuff just for the sake of getting them some match practice. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Well, with with that being said, then without going too much into predictions, what do you think the signs are ahead of next week at Middlesbrough? Do we think we're gonna? I don't know. Do you, it, well, we've already alluded to the fact that we think the the Hamburg uh, friendly the other day that will be minus a few changes. That will be our starting eleven. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I I wonder if Taylor and Ngoy are gonna remain around the first team though, because they seem to have gone absolutely everywhere with the the main sort of squad. I wonder if they're going to be maybe on the fringe of the matchday squad or if they're just sort of filler. Because it's really hard, as as Tom sort of said, it's, re- it's hard to take stuff from pre-season. So, and obviously last year we had Bobby Mosley who played a few at uh, fullback and everyone was sort of excited for the new season, thinking that he would maybe break through. And he signed for Solihull Moors a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Taylor and Ngoy... Are probably two of the better prospects that we have at under 21 level. Obviously, Taylor won the award for under 21 player of the season, and Ngoy's goal record at both under 18 and under 21 is really impressive. And they seem to both get good reviews. Ngoy, in particular, Preston got rave reviews for his impact off the bench. So, whether they'll be traveling with the squad, it'll be interesting to see. In terms of the game itself, I think Middlesbrough will be looking to win the game. So, sort of they're at home, first game back new signing, sort of Negredo and the like. They'll be looking to make a big impression and it's up to Stoke to sort of deal with that. I feel we're at the yep. sort of level where, should it come to this match, it's only going to take a bit of magic from Arnautovic or Shakiri, and that could be the game for us. But sort of from the pre-season, like Jace was saying, it doesn't seem like there's too much. Yeah, I would really show them up. I think that that is probably a good place to end part one and have a short break and we will be back with part two in just a moment. Welcome back to part two of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Uh, In the break, we were talking about how much we're fed up of Paul Pogba already and he hasn't even signed for Man United yet. Football's back, everyone, and we hate it. But someone else who seems to be hating life at the moment uh, is Mark Wilson, who went on Twitter the other day and what seemed to be a really nice, mild-mannered Q&A turned into something rather more controversial, where he, well, to be honest with you, seemed to confirm what we feared for some time now, uh, confirming that we don't really do defensive training uh, under Mark Hughes. Does this matter? Because we now play beautiful attacking football, don't we, gents? What, what did we make of Mark Wilson's um, Twitter escapades? I slept through it all. Mental. I was so annoyed. <laughs> but oh, I caught up the morning after. And let's face it, he's, been, he's pretty much said exactly what fans have been saying for months. And now everyone's like, Mark, what are you doing? Telling you what you want <laughs> to hear. <laughs> it's, it's, it was a daft thing to do. But the remarks shouldn't be dismissed just because, they, just because they came from Mark Wilson, who isn't sort of a fan's favourite. He's an easy scapegoat, but it's worth remembering that he won consecutive awards for the best trainer at the club, so he knows a thing or two about training. So we should take his word seriously. I think, yeah, obviously the Pulis to Hughes transition means there's probably going to be a difference in training and preparation. Like We even spoke about it briefly in the pre-season stuff. But yeah, there's no defensive training or very little. Like all, all we sort of see is that two in the middle pass, pass in a circle stuff. Like it doesn't bode well, does it? I, I, I'm not sure what to take of it really, because when he when he <laughs> says no defensive training, does he sort of mean that Sparky gets in in the morning and goes right, Ryan Mooney, I want to see you up front today. I want to see you two banging them in. <laughs> I, yeah, I, some, I, I think it's sort of. It's a weird God, thing, to actually, because... So. <laughs> well, if you watch that pre-season training video from Florida, Woolshire has a right finish on him. <laughs> well, I'm not sure, actually, how much to take it. It seemed to me that it was just sort of a player who's upset about not getting game time um, and evidently not the, the biggest fan of Mark Hughes' style of play, throwing his toys out the pram a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he tried, he tried to, to rein it back a little bit by saying, no, no, Mark Hughes has, has worked wonders with our team. He's got us to 
higher places we've ever been, but I think we can go further. Um, you know, we've got a very talented squad who can do a, a lot more, which I think we, we all would probably agree with. I, and none of us are complaining with, with ninth place finish, but I think last year especially, there was an expectation that we could perhaps push on a little bit. And I certainly think we have the squad to do so. We just neglected defensive duties quite a lot of the time last season. Yeah, we were, um, we were spoiled, weren't we? Because if you think about it, like Hughes came in after a Pulis era when it was getting goals out of us, like getting blood out of the stone at times. We were so sort of defensively good and it's something that we prided ourselves on, really. It was the the underdog sort of defending hard and then countering and nicking goals to win it. And we, we were used to that for so many years. So to see this more open game come along where we're scoring more, but we're also conceding more, is a bit hard to take. And make no mistake about it, if our defence was tighter last season, we could have broken that top eight barrier. Obviously, there's other things to consider, like injuries and stuff as well, which whether that has an implication in training would be quite interesting because they seem to interview the sort of fitness coach for a pre-season video a while ago and they spoke about, for example, Apple injury and they said in training, like, can these things, are these just pure accidents that they happen on by chance? And he said, well, we always look because there may have been something that caused it prior. So whether there's stuff going on in training causing that, we don't really know. But I guess to go back to his point, yeah, I can see the frustration, and I'm, but I am glad that he sort of opened up about it and I guess confirmed our fears, even if it's to his own detriment. Do, do you think it will make a difference, though? Do you think that Mark Hughes is going to look at what, what's been said and think, you know what, Mark, Mark Wilson's right, we do need to practice our defending more and be more solid at the back? And, and can we do it? Is there, a, is there a way for this Stoke team under Mark Hughes to be as beautifully attacking as we can be, as well as so solid at the back? Obviously not on that front. You've got to sort of give one thing one way and take it the other. But I think the main reason there's been such a lack of defensive training is because it's taken the squad so long to properly adapt to this style of play. Because, I mean, in that first season, we were virtually still a long ball team until we signed Odd and Wingy and sort of changed it up a little bit. But it's only really last season where you've seen the squad score goals, passing it from centre-back to full-back and then further passes up the pitch rather than there being some sort of more direct option. So I think actually he said it at a time where we probably are going to start looking at set-piece training and defensive training more because we're now perfecting the product rather than just making it. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a good point. Like, I, I suppose as, as football fans, we we see everything in seasons, and if if everything hasn't been achieved by the first season, and we we I don't know, like I, I hadn't even considered the fact that actually it maybe took us three seasons to get us to where Mark to the style that Mark Hughes actually wants us to play. I still think there's a lot more for this this team to give. Like in preseason, one of the big criticisms were was that we're playing at walking pace and we're not breaking down teams especially against um hamburg yesterday so yeah that's a really really interesting point actually tom that it's took us this long to get to a point where we're comfortable playing that style and now we can add extra bits in like set pieces because i mean that's been a big a bit a big annoyance for for some of us the fact that we've neglected corners and we just seem after after years of Tony Pulis, where every set piece was a threat, we've gone to being completely toothless at them. So it would be nice to see that being concentrated on again. Yeah, I think um, maybe the theory that last season was more sort of revolution than evolution would make a lot of sense. And if it if we're taking that approach, then it could be a very interesting season ahead. I'd like to see if he is going to get another centre half in to deal with the defensive stuff, for example, and whether we can actually field a, a relatively solid back five this season, which I think will make a big impact. Because I think our best times last season when we were getting clean sheets most weeks, sort of November, December time, was when we had a solid back four that didn't really change about and butlin- butlined in goals. Yeah, I, I think I, that's what... I, 
I did some research into that and sort of, I think it was nearly, I think it was 20 games where we didn't change the back five. We only conceded 19 goals and had about 13 clean sheets. But then the other 20 games where we did change the back five for a reason other than it was a cup match, we conceded <laughs> nearly double that and kept only two clean sheets. Oh, wow. Blame Halgard. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you've, you've kind of hit a nail on the head there. In I think Jack Butland was and is essential to this team, as is Glenn Johnson, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we, meant, we mentioned this, I think, a few weeks back, but Glenn Johnson, when he was injured last season, I think we saw a huge drop-off in not just attacking ability and, you know, assists down and, and pace down that right wing, but... Um, also in our, our shape and our organisation. And and with Butland gone as well, that was certainly lost. And it came at the same time as well, which I think really ripped it all out, that we'd lost our pivotal goalkeeper and lost a, a sort of 32-year-old fullback who's got 50-odd international caps and he's clearly an important figure in that back five. Yeah, I yeah. I still have concerns over Johnson to be honest with injuries and stuff. But he yeah, missed the I'm, game of the weekend. And it and it does concern me that our, our backup to him is still Phil Bardsley. In all <laughs> honesty, like it it's a, obviously it's a position we're going to have to look at in the next few years, if not sooner. Um, but I, yeah, if Glenn Johnson goes out with an injury. I don't really hold out much hope in that position, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's either going to be Barzi or Jeff Cameron, isn't it? But I don't think it'll be a... I think while it'd be beneficial to get a younger guy in and sort of start phasing them in, I don't think it's going to happen this season. I think this is going to be one we have to wait for and there's bigger priorities at the moment. Yeah, fair, completely fair enough. To just, just finish off this bit then, Mark Wilson on Twitter... Do you think he's going to get in trouble for this? And if so, what do you think the right form of punishment is for saying such a thing on Twitter? Um, I think he will get in trouble for it. I can't imagine him getting away with it in the similar way that Hoof got in trouble. Well, in fact, no, it was more the, it was more the FA, wasn't it, than, the, than yeah. the club. But, yeah, I expect... I don't think they're going to like tear up his contract because of it. Maybe a fine... And then, if any transfer move happens, like in the well, in response to this, I think it probably would have happened anyway. I don't think they're gonna transfer list him or something or throw him out just because of it. I think it's he'll probably just get a talking to, maybe a bit of a fine, and then they'll just take it from there. I'm not sure there's gonna be much opportunity for much to be done because I'm reasonably certain he's not gonna be at the club much longer. Not because of this incident, but just because. I don't think Mark Hughes sees him as his plans because, I mean, what's he? He's got to be sort of fifth-choice centre-back, third-choice left-back, fourth-choice centre-midfielder. He, he seems surplus to requirements. Yeah, and, and if if we are going after another centre-back, which we, we were linked with um, uh, the, the Greek player from Leverkusen, weren't we, whose name for, I, I forget because it's so long. That's the one. Um if we did go for another centre-back, I think that would probably just knock him. <laughs> that, that would be a clear sign that Mark Wilson is not going to be getting a game anytime soon at Stoke City. It's a, it's a shame because he has been with us for a, for a very long time. And to say he came in as a, def- what, a, a defensive midfielder at, from from Portsmouth, was it? that, mm. <laughs> And then, then spent several seasons at left-back. Uh, I think he... As you say, he was never he's never been a fan favourite at Stoke, but he's done he's done the job asked of him and he, he's yeah, he's a scapegoat for a lot of things. I don't have too much of a problem with him and we'll always have that uh that fancy trick he did in Liverpool in the FA Cup a few years back where uh he made Gerard and whoever else uh, slide off the pitch. <laughs> so we'll always have that memory. Yeah, he nearly right. that's on top of the memory of him hitting a 35-yard free kick against Chelsea and hitting the bar with it. Would have gone down <laughs> as one of the greatest goals of all time. <laughs> Excellent. Right, let's let's move on then. Um, let's do some predictions now. So, pre-season is over. The season, well, the Football League season started. The Premier League season is starting next weekend. Obviously, we spoke a little bit about Middlesbrough. Um, how do we see it going? Do we, do we, are we all consigned to defeat on the opening day to 
a resurgent Middlesbrough side finally back in the Premier League? Not really. Co- contrary to what I said earlier about sort of it's going to need a bit of magic from Arnautovic or Shakiri. Middlesbrough don't actually scare me that much, uh, especially in their defence, where I think they've got, in the entire defence, they have two Premier League starts. I think from Ayala, who used to be at Liverpool and played twice for them. So I think they're really lacking Premier League experience in their defence, and that's something that Stoke surely have to try and exploit. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting match on the face of it. Obviously, they've got some star signings in Victor Fisher on the wing, Alvaro Negredo up front. Ayala is quite a good defender, but he's it doesn't look like he's going to be available for the match because of injury. So how they reshuffle is left to be seen. Ben Gibson seems to be quite highly rated, um, young English player there, so he could play well. But I think, to be honest, I think it will be a, a nil-nil last on match of the day affair. And I'll be happy to get in and out of there with a the point. Yeah, it's it is one of those matches that's kind of set up for the 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 home team to to win, isn't it? It's one of those written in the stars type affairs. I would I would love nothing better than for us to go there and uh, spoil the party and and come away with three points, especially considering I really dislike Middlesbrough's kit this year. I, I think it looks awful. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I base my football decisions on aesthetic things like that. Um, I I just don't. I never feel comfortable and confident about football in general. So I, I do see us going there and coming away with either Middlesbrough nicking it or we just being completely under par and uh, losing 2-0 or something like that. What about you guys? Score prediction time. What do you think the score will be? I'm, I'm quite optimistic about it, unlike you two pessimistic people. I think we can <laughs> go there and sort of show them what Premier League football is going to be all about, almost like Aston Villa did to Bournemouth last season at the start of the year, but let's just not copy Villa in the rest of the season. <laughs> I, I fancy Stoke to win 2-0. Fair enough, fair enough. Any preference on who the goals are going to come from? Um, let's go Let's go. Arnautovic and then Gloves in Beulah to score one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's uh, that's a nickname that's sticking. Um, Jason, what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with nil-nil. I think I'll give you some some lovely trivia. Well, a flashback, if you will, from eight years ago when we went to the Riverside. So Stoke lost two-one on on the day. The winner came from Tunchai, like for the <laughs> Borough rather than for us. They had Robert Hooth in their lineup, partnering David Weeter. Oh, wow. Some lovely other names in there. So we had Ali Adia, Downing, wow. and the man of the match was Afonso Alves. <laughs> how how times have changed. Yeah, Stokes Stokes eleven. Apart for that from one. the fact Downing's still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Stoke had a glorious team for that one. Sorensen, Griffin, Court, Fay, Dickinson, Lawrence, Olafinjana, Andy Fay, Delap, Kitson, and Fuller. And Justin Hoyt got our goal by putting it in his own net. Oh, <laughs> the, the old old times, eh? <laughs> How we miss them. Right, okay, so that's Middlesbrough. Let's go for the rest of the season then. How do we see it panning out? Do you think it's we're destined for another ninth place finish? Are we going to go on another cup run? How do we see it going? How are we fair this season? Go on then, I Mr. Optimist. I, I feel good, yeah. Um, the normal Stoke slow progress, but sort of, yeah, the cup runs, I feel we can definitely go to the final in one of them. I think we totally deserve to against Liverpool, really. And the league, yeah, sort of maybe pushing towards Europa League spots, but some sort of something like we'll finish seventh, but then Hull will win the FA Cup and we won't make Europe because of that. <laughs> I'll be surprised if Hull have a squad to compete in the FA Cup. <laughs> Jason, what about you? How do you see the season going? Well, last season I picked, I went for eleventh, and it nearly it nearly happened. I could have had my winnings by early April, the way we were sliding, getting battered every week. But I thought that like after consecutive ninth place finishes, like it, it had to come crashing down at some point. That being said, I don't. I think we're actually gonna finally do it and 
get eight this season. I think our squad's a lot better. If we get rid of a couple of fringe players that Hughes may be tempted to use when he really shouldn't, Mr. Crouch, um, <laughs> then I do think we'll have a lot, I guess, a more settled defence, a settled attack, and some real strength and depth now with the likes of Alan, Sobby, and, and Anatovich Dane, obviously. Shakiri and Mbulu have hopefully settled, and Butland's back from injury. And Bayern's look sharp, so yeah, if we don't win the league, we'll finish eighth. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, I to be honest with you, I <laughs> I see it going that we will be knocked out early in the cups, but I think that that will then spur us on in the league. I do think that this is the season where we really do need to need to push on. So I I see us finishing, I yeah eighth. Seventh or eighth, I think, is a realistic and achievable aim for us this year. I do think that it will probably be at the detriment of the Cups, though, um, which is a shame for us. But, you know, we're going to win the uh, the EFL trophy, aren't we? So we'll win that Cup and we'll come eighth, seventh in the league. So let's do that. I would love for that to happen, mainly because it would be greeted with sheer disgust by most of our fans. They couldn't even bear <laughs> to celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they'd have to change the chance that we've won it three times. It'd be oh, bless them. No, it, I, do you know what? Like as, as negative as I feel about Middlesbrough next week, I do think that this is the season where things should come together. And I don't know. I I put Bojan in my uh, fantasy team because I'm confident that this season he is going to be consistent and he's going to play really really well much like we saw in the uh t- before he got injured in the, the first season with us so i'm hoping Bojan's gonna be incredible i think Imbula's gonna take his gloves off and destroy everyone and yeah no i'm, I'm quite i'm quietly confident i don't think we're gonna do a leicester and i don't think we're gonna be the the massive massive surprise package but i think we're gonna be comfortable in mid-table and i think we'll challenge for the european places yeah, and I look forward to us using this clip in six months' time. Yeah, when we are five, already relegated. Five points adrift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to... Next year, in the Championship, that's going to be our opener. Yeah. That's the theme music. So, what are everyone's thoughts of Charlie Adam at centre-half? Uh... <laughs> Ca- Captain Charlie Adam, because everyone else is left. At least Sweeney would get first-team games, though. <laughs> As would uh, Oliver Shenton. Oh yeah, and uh, in fact, it'd be just maybe that's what we need to play all the youth players. <laughs> that's what everyone wants, isn't it? The other option is a B right. team. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that is the other option. Right. Um, I suppose that kind of does wrap us up in terms of topics uh, to discuss. We'll we'll probably be. We'll, are we back next week, Jason, to discuss the Middlesbrough game? Um. Yeah, if the rope hasn't snapped, then yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. And then I get a guess. Then it's, is there any other business that you guys want to bring up at this point? Um, the per- the Perone Cup for the under 19s kicks off next weekend alongside the football, well, the Premier League season beginning. So if you check them out on Twitter, that's P E R O N E Cup. They'll be sort of giving updates for Stoke's group. Which, if you give me two seconds of chatter. I should be able to get the Stokes group up. It's quite a good one with loads of good players, and good teams. Do we do we know who we're sending to the competition? Like what what youth players are, are going? Um, they haven't. Or has that not been announced? No, it hasn't been announced yet. But they just, I guess it's anyone that, or I'd imagine it's mainly the under 18s to be honest, like Abdallah and everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we're in a group with AC Milan, PSV, and Khan. <laughs> yeah. Khan. Yeah. That's the one yep. from France. Yeah. So that's oh, our nice. that's our group, and we kick off at nine thirty in the morning. Is that or evening? <laughs> I don't know. My French is terrible. Yeah, you'll find them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, fair enough. Tom, did you have anything else you'd like to cover? Uh, not too much. Just keep an eye on the on the Bear Pit website, and there's some oh. decent blogs going up there. And we'll have a pre-season preview coming up. 
season previews, not pre-season. Excellent, excellent. Well, I suppose then, Jace, then can you tell us what's what's been happening on, on the website? Is there anything people should keep an eye out for? Well, we alluded to it earlier, but Sam did a really good piece on the homegrown ruling and if it's sort of limiting Stoke in, in the transfer window and everything in terms of transfer strategy leading to players costing more than they should and Stoke having to fork out more just, I guess, for the same level of player. Um, there was a nice analysis of pre-season by David at the end of July, which might be worth another read for you just to see that it really doesn't make a difference by the results and stuff in pre-season. <laughs> and we will have our big pre-season, well, main season preview coming up this week, hopefully. And one final call that you can all join our Fantasy Football League, which is a, which yeah. is on Twitter. And we're, we're all going to be doing a draft league tonight. <sighs> so I'm looking forward oh, to that. Yes. I'd forgotten about that and I've done basically no preparation. I was speaking to Kyle Norbury last night and he was he was giving me slightly inside tips, like not about players, but saying, right, you need to have some auto picks ready just in case. So I went on and, and started picking a, a team that I'd ideally want. I just don't feel prepared for it, Jason, if honest. I, it's gonna I be wouldn't bother. I did, it, I did it with my flatmates last year and uh, the person with the last pick got Vardy and Mares. so don't try and pick anyone who you think's any good just just, just wait until the end <laughs> oh well I don't suppose you'll get that look every year will you really oh Matt that's that's a right good pick um, Tom is there anything that you've written or that you want to promote obviously you do your work on the bear pick that you, you just said is there any articles you've written that you'd like to get people reading uh, a nice controversial one. Um, one of my most recent ones was how we don't actually need a new centre-back and it's just a matter of trying to <laughs> not have any injuries. Um, but yeah, that, that's a good one to read. Awesome stuff on whether or not Stoke needs safe standing. Oh, very nice. Very nice. That'll uh, hopefully get a few re- uh, readers involved. Mm. Right. In which case then, I think that kind of wraps us up for today. Um, only remains to say tom where can people find you and talk to you on the internet um at sussex stokey on twitter and yeah i'm good at replying so you won't get ignored <laughs> brilliant and jason where can people find you you can find me on twitter at scfcjace unless you're egyptian at which point don't bother <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on twitter at Bramard. right that is it for episode seven of the wizards of drivel podcast We'll speak to you next week after we've either been crushed by Middlesbrough or we've destroyed their Premier League dreams. Goodbye, Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.